By way of short introduction, this Sunday's meditation is a sermon delivered centuries ago by St. Alphonsus de Liguori, Doctor of the Church. The sermon is on the sor sorrows of Mary, and it's appropriate today because today is the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, and as such marks the anniversary of my personal consecration to Jesus through Mary. It's a personally important day for me, and I wanted to mark it with an appropriate meditation. Someday I may do a video on personal consecrations of that kind. I don't know. Let me know in the comments below if you want something like that. And just as an aside, my Latin is terrible, and this has got some Latin, a little bit of Latin in it, so just bear with me, all right? So with all that said, I present Upon the Sorrows of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguori. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. John chapter 19, verse 25. We are here, beloved brethren, to contemplate a new kind of martyrdom in the case of a mother who must look on at the death of her innocent son, executed like a felon, upon an infamous gibbet. Mary is that mother, whom the Holy Church with too much reason calls the Queen of Martyrs. Yes, because Mary, in standing beside the cross of Jesus, suffered a more grievous martyrdom than did all the martyrs in their torments. She was, in the first instance, a martyr without parallel, and in the second, a martyr without consolation. First point. The words of the prophet Jeremiah suits me here. To what shall I compare thee, or to what shall I liken thee, O daughter of Jerusalem, for great as the sea is thy destruction? Who shall heal thee? See Lamentations chapter 2 verse 13. No, the torments of all the martyrs can bear no comparison with the sufferings of Mary. The martyrdom of Mary, says St. Bernard, took place not by the sword of the torturer, but by the grief of heart, according to the prophecy of Simeon who said, In thy own soul a sword shall pierce. See Luke chapter 2, verse 35. Arnaldo Carnotins writes that whoever was present upon Calvary when the Immaculate Lamb was yielding up his life for the salvation of the world beheld there two altars of sacrifice, one in the body of Jesus Christ and in the other the heart of Mary, in which latter Mary sacrificed her soul in compassion for her son, when Jesus sacrificed his body in death. St. Antonia says that the other martyrs sacrificed each his own life, but that Mary consummated her martyrdom by sacrificing the life of her son, which she loved far more than her own. And thus it was that her grief surpassed any other suffering which has been felt upon this earth. It is well known that sufferings of children become the sufferings of the mothers who, s who see them suffer. St. Austin, speaking of the mother of the Maccabees, who was present during the martyrdom of her sons, says that love caused her to suffer all the sufferings of each one of her children. Ilia videndo in omnibus passa est, kia omnes amabat, ferabat in oculus quad in came omnes. See Sarai, uh, paragraph 109. Erasmus adds that if mothers feel greater pain on seeing their children suffer than if they were sufferers themselves. With regard to ordinary mothers, that does not always happen, but with regard to Mary, it certainly did happen, that she suffered more by seeing her son upon the cross than if she were to have to suffer in her own person all the torments she saw inflicted upon him. All the wounds which covered the entire body of Jesus, says St. Bonaventure, were found together in the heart of Mary, to afflict her during the passion of her son, so that, as St. Lawrence Justinian writes, her heart was, by affliction, converted into a mirror, in which we were reflected all the outrages and insults suffered by Jesus Christ. 
Passionis Christi Speculum Effectum Erat Cor Virginis, in Ilio Agnocesabantur Sputa Convitia Verba Vulnera. Thus, during the passion of her son, Mary suffered in her heart by reason of the love she bore him, the, buffet, the buffets, the scourges, the crowning with thorns, and was actually nailed in spirit with him to the cross. The same St. Lawrence, contemplating Jesus, carrying his cross to Calvary, and seeing his afflicted mother following him, makes him turn to her and say, Alas, mother, whither do you follow me? You shall be tortured in my torture, and I in yours. But his loving mother desists not from following him, although she knows that being present during his passion will cost her a torture more severe than any death. She sees her son carrying the cross on which he is to be nailed, and she takes up the cross of her grief and follows him, to be crucified along with him. Hence, St. Bonaventure, contemplating Mary, as she stood near her dying son, exclaims, Tell me, O sacred mother, where were you when Jesus was dying? Where Were you near the cross? No, you were on the cross itself. Upon these words foretold the Redeemer by, by the prophet Isaiah, I have trodden the vinepress alone, and of the Gentiles there is not a man with me. Richards writes as follows, Lord, it, it is true that you have not a man to accompany you, but there is a woman, and that woman, your mother, to follow you, and receive all the wounds which are inflicted on your body in her heart. Other martyrs are painted with the instruments of their death in their hands, to signify by what death they suffered. Thus St. Paul is represented with a sword in his hand, St. Andrew embracing a cross, St. Lawrence having a gridiron, but Mary is represented with her dead son in her arms, because the instrument of her martyrdom was no other than her son. And the compassion which she felt for her son has made her the queen of martyrs. Pinamonte has a noble and singular sentiment with reference to this compassion felt by the Blessed Mother. He says that the compassion of Mary for Jesus was so great that she alone could worthily compassionate the death of God-made man through love of men. The Blessed Amadeus writes that Mary, when beholding the passion of her son, experienced more grievous tortures than had she been suffering in person, because she loved her son incomparably more than herself. Hence, St. Adolphonsus does not hesitate to assert that you say little when you speak of Mary as having suffered more than all the martyrs taken together. St. Anselm, addressing the Blessed Virgin, says, Whatever cruelty has been exercised upon the bodies of the martyrs was trivial, or rather nothing compared with all that you suffered during the passion of your son. The same saint adds, No, lady, I could not believe that you should have been able to survive such sufferings, did not the spirit of thy son support thee. And St. Bernadine of Siena went so far as to say, The grief of the Blessed Virgin was so great, that if it were to be divided amongst all the creatures capable of grief, they should expire under it. Who then can doubt for a moment that the martyrdom of Mary was without parallel, since it exceeded the sufferings of all the martyrs taken together? And since, as St. Antonius says, other martyrs in dying sacrifice only their own lives, but she sacrificed the life of her son, which was infinitely dearer to her than her own. Second point. The martyrs suffered torments inflicted on them by tyrants, but the Lord, who never abandons his servants, failed not to console them under their torments. The love of God which burned in their hearts rendered all torture sweet to them. As Vincent's w was torn while stretched on the rack with iron hooks and burned with heated plates, but St. Augustine says that the saint here spoke so silent, slightly of his torments that the person who suffered appeared to be different from the person who spoke. 
Boniface had his body torn with irons and his nails and flesh pierced with thorns, and melted lead poured into his mouth, and all the while he ceased not to thank Jesus Christ. We thought him worthy to suffer for his love. Lawrence suffered not on the gridiron, but the, but the love with which he was inflamed prevented him from feeling the fire which was under him, or death itself. As the holy martyrs felt their pain diminished in proportion to their torments, so the bare thought of the passion of Jesus Christ was sufficient to console them. Exactly the reverse took place in Mary, since the passion of Jesus was her martyrdom, and her love for him was her only executioner. Here may the words of Jeremiah be applied. For great as the sea is thy destruction, who shall heal thee as the sea is entirely salt, without one drop of fresh water? So the heart of Mary was all bitterness, without one drop of consolation. Who shall heal thee? Her son was the only person who might console her. But how should he, hanging upon the cross, console her, when the love she bore him was her sole tormentor? In order then to understand the greatness of Mary's sorrow, we should know, according to Cornelius Lapide, the, great, the greatness of the love which she bore to Jesus. But who can measure that love? The blessed Amadeus of opinion that in Mary's heart were found together the natural love which she bore to Jesus as her son, and the supernatural love which she bore to him as her God. These two descriptions of love, which were bent into one, and that the greatest the pure creature was capable of, then there was never been found in a cre creature love to equal that which Mary had for Jesus, so neither has sorrow ever been found to equal hers. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Let us pause a while to consider these words before we finish, and having glanced at these we shall have done, but let us here renew our attention. There stood. When Jesus hung upon the cross, he was abandoned by his disciples. They had all left him from the moment he was taken into the garden. Then the disciples, all leaving him, fled. See Matthew chapter 26, verse 56. The disciples abandoned him, but his loving mother did not abandon him. She wished to stay by him and see him expire. She stood by the cross. Mothers, when they see their children suffer, and that they cannot give him assistance, have not strength to endure it, and therefore fly the sight. But Mary contemplated her son as he hung agonizing upon the cross. She saw that his sufferings were fast depriving him of life. She could have wished him wished to succor him in that extremity. But if not but if it is not permitted her, she still she does not avoid the sight. She does not fly. But stands near the cross where her son is expiring. The cross was the hard bed which Jesus was stretched upon in death. Mary stood beside it, never withdrew her eyes from him, but gazed upon him torn with the scourges, and the thorns, and the nails. She sees that her dear son can find no rest hanging from three nails. She could have wished, as I have said, to minister to him, or at least to expire at his arms. But all is denied her. Ah, cross, she said, give me back my son. Thou art the gibbet of malefactors, but my son is innocent. Peace, sorrowing mother, the cross shall not restore your, you your son until he shall have breathed his last. St. Bonaventure, contemplating the grief with which Mary felt in the death of her son, says himself that no grief could equal hers, because no son ever was so dear to a mother. If then there never was son so amiable as Jesus, or mother as loving as Mary, what grief can be compared to hers? Mary saw that her son was about to die, when, looking piteously upon him, she appeared to say, Ah, my son, you are about to leave me, and do you not say a word of parting, leaving me some memorial of you? The memorial he left her was, Woman, behold thy son. 
meaning St. John, who stood near her. And these were the words with which he took leave of his mother. He calls her woman, that he may not increase her sorrow by styling her mother. Woman, behold thy son. He shall tend thee after thy death. There stood by the cross his mother. Let us contemplate Mary for the last time, standing at the foot of the cross, and beholding her son as he expires. But, O God, what a son dies there, a son who had chosen her from eternity for his mother, preferring her before all womankind, a son so beautiful, so holy, so lovely, a son who has ever been obedient, a son who was her only love, her son and her God. And Mary has to see him die of pure pain before her eyes. But the last hour of Jesus now approaches, and the afflicted mother has to see her son yielding to the last assault of death. His body now relaxes, his head falls upon his breast, he opens his mouth and expires. The people around exclaim he is dead. And Mary too says, Thou art indeed dead, my Jesus. After Jesus had hung dead upon the cross for some time, his body was taken down. Mary goes to receive it, and having strained it to her bosom, gazes now upon the head wounded with thorns, those hands pierced with nails, that body torn with scourges. Ah, my son, she says, to what has the love thou didst bear to man reduced thee? But the disciples, fearing lest she die while embracing her son, approach and with reverential violence take him away from her arms, and rolling him in his shroud, carry him away to bury him. They are accompanied by the other mourning women. With them still goes the sorrowful mother, following her son to the tomb. St. Bernard says that her grief was such as to cause all who met her to weep. And he adds that those who accompanied her were in tears for her, rather than for the Lord. My brethren, let us be devout to the sorrowful Mary. Albertus Magnus writes that as we are indebted to Jesus Christ for his death, so we are indebted to Mary for the sorrow which she felt at the death of that son, for the salvation of the world. This an angel revealed to St. Bridget. The Holy Virgin, he said, sacrificed to God for our salvation, the life of her son. A sacrifice which, as we have said, cost her more pain than all the sufferings of the martyrs cost them. But the Divine Mother complained to St. Bridget that very few compassionate her and her sufferings, whilst a greater number of men live forgetful of them. When she said to the saint, If others forget me, you at least, daughter, must not forget me. To such an end the Blessed Virgin appeared in the year 1229 to the founder of the Order of the Servants of Mary, that he might establish a devotion in memory of her dolors, which was afterwards done. And Jesus himself one day said to the Blessed Veronica de Benasco, Daughter, the tears which one sheds in contemplating my passion are dear to me, but loving with immense love as I do my mother Mary, I greatly value meditation upon the sorrow which she experienced during my passion. It may be well to mention also what is said by Peliarto, to have been revealed to St. Elizabeth, a Benedictine virgin, which was that the Lord has four graces for those who are devout to the sorrows of Mary. First, that whoever invokes her by her dolors shall have the grace of doing penance for his sins before death. Secondly, that she shall console such in all their tribulations, and especially at the hour of death. Thirdly, that the Lord shall imprint on their minds the recollection of his passion, and inspire them with a devotion to it. Fourthly, that she has empowered Mary to obtain what graces she pleases for those who are devout to her dolors. Thank you for listening and have a blessed Sunday. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us.